All right, welcome to the Big Break Cycling Podcast, where we talk all things about cycling. And on this episode, this is the final chapter of the Everesting of this year. Um, in episode five, we learn about Nathan's original decision to do his Everesting attempt. Uh, this is probably back in the winter. And then in episode eight, we actually interviewed Pat and Adam from AFC and talked about their own experience completing uh, Everest. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, I would suggest listening to it just to get a good background information on uh, what Everesting is, what it involves, and things like that. But pretty much Everesting is just climbing a segment up and down repeatedly until you hit, hit the, the elevation Everest. Um, and then I'll let the guys talk about more about um, what it is and what they did throughout um, their experience. It was uh, May 14th, Nathan, my co-host, and our good friend Matt uh, attempted their Everesting Challenge. And I'll be happy to report that they completed it. Uh, so congratulations, Nate and Matt. Thank um, you. Yep. I guess to get started, uh, Nathan, just give a background of the Everesting and also who Matt is. You know, uh, I don't think our listeners ever knew who Matt. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, thanks, Ang, for the the introduction to, to Everest. So, yeah, we spoke two episodes um, in the past regarding Everest and just what it was about. But the brief rundown um, for our attempt was uh, a climb in Ellicott City, Maryland, called uh, Ilchester Road. And there was a segment of this climb that's roughly uh, 11%. Um, thankfully, we had the, the fellows at AFC, um, Adam and Pat, they did kind of a, uh, a recon for us, if you will, uh, them and their, their crew, uh, kind of when they finished the Everest attempt, uh, Matt and myself, we decided that Ilchester was really, um, the ideal segment, um, to, to do our attempt. So Matt is a good friend of, uh, ours. He lives out in, uh, Columbia, Maryland, uh, started probably racing uh, with the team AFC, so he knows uh, Adam and Pat uh, fairly well. And two years ago, uh, I had the pleasure of, um, you know, racing with him. Uh, he was on 2020 uh, bike shop in Baltimore with me. Uh, and although we didn't specifically, I, I guess, race together uh, in the same category, uh, I was able to, you know, put together a, a training plan for him, whereby. He, you know, it was awesome just to, just to see him grow as a rider, grow as a racer, and, um, you know, get a lot stronger. And just, like, seeing that as a friend was really cool. So for him and myself, we um, put Everest on our calendars. We usually, during the year since 2015, uh, been on the same training schedule as far as, like, when we start and, and some of the build-ups and things. Um, so Everest, for both of us, uh, could be done, like, at the same time. Uh, roughly about one month after the AFC boys did it. Um, so yeah, uh, basically, you know, Matt and I, you know, had it on our calendar, you know, we were trying to amp each other up with it and, um, you know, encourage each other, you know, try and get our legs ready, get our mind ready. And uh, yeah, before the event, um, just, you know, making sure that all we crossed all our T's and dotted all the I's. So um, maybe Matt can, you know, just say a little bit how about himself, you know, his age, his his racing categories or, you know, anything pertinent that he wants to share. Sure. And, and before I get into that, I'd, I'd like to say that um, you were preparing and I was trying to talk myself out 
of the <laughs> and then I I was actually out riding listening to podcast eight I believe where you were talking about Everesting and you mentioned my name in there and it committed me to doing this so it was like no turning back at that point which was probably the best thing to happen because I did uh I did kind of have reservations about doing this it it looked pretty daunting um but yeah as Nathan was saying you know kind of started racing maybe four years ago just a few road races here and there and some mountain bike races and got into cross and and enjoyed it but um you know I am a a full-time father and full-time have a full-time career and so couldn't you know just kind of dabbled in it enjoyed it and really liked the structure of training and having a goal to work towards so and uh Nathan, if you do remember back maybe four years ago, you and I did do a race with one another against one another. Um, and I very specifically recall, I think it was the Poulsville road, road race. Is that, that's the one that has the gravel, right? Or is that All-American? Yeah, Poulsville. Poulsville, yeah. <clears throat> Going into the last lap, I do remember you on the front cooking that corner into the gravel <laughs> way too fast, ending up in the poison ivy yet somehow fast forward 10 15 minutes you were back at the front and i think came in like second or third in the sprint finish and and still managed to beat me by a place or two and i was like who the heck is this kid who crashes out and still comes back to I, you might have won that if i i don't remember but i got second place yeah second place okay and i think i was like third fourth or fifth i couldn't believe it and i'm like who was this kid and then got to know you over the next year or so and uh you were you've been extremely helpful in in guiding me in my training and you know i'm 41 years old so i'm no uh i'm no spring chicken anymore but i do enjoy <laughs> the the um the intensity and and the drive and the having something to work towards so uh you managed to talk me into doing this ever nonsense and uh, i'm so glad you did you know looking back on it it was an awesome experience just from 4.15 a.m. to 6.15 p.m. when we finished, not only the riding, but just the having all that support out there of friends and family and was just awesome. And uh, one of probably one of my highlights of ever being on the bike, all 14 (laughs) hours of it. Um, It it was a great experience. So for the, for the listeners out there, I might have to dig up um, uh, the YouTube link. I, I wasn't. I think I had a camera on that that race, but um, but I think someone else actually has a, a a video of me like going off course too. But yeah, that that was a crazy race. Um, I forgot. I totally forgot it. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, the times that I crash off uh, off into gravel and and poison ivy, I try to forget those points in my career. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll dig up something for. I think for we were listeners. cat fives then, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we might have been cat fives. Yeah, might have been cat fours. I'm not sure. Could have been um, a four five field, but who knows? Yeah. Good yeah, times. who knows? I mean, I'm now a pro, so I mean, all those <laughs> just kind of run together. Good times. Good times. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can attest for Nathan's training plan too, and hopefully, uh, Joe doesn't hear this podcast, so I'll take take the business from him. But, <laughs> <laughs> so we we know. Matt motivation was because he had to do it because Nathan called him out. Mm-hmm. But what was your uh, motivation, Nathan? Was it like bragging rights? 
if the challenge itself is like a bucket list to check off um what what everest thing was well what was the motivation to do it i mean besides like i guess you, you committed to it but what what made you decide to do it for me everesting was yeah i, I mean me and Matt, I guess we we could probably both admit that it it was never even mentioned up until possibly March or April, April by you, you know, know when ASC was considering it. Um, it's like I never thought that I would even attempt Everest, um, uh, you know, this this Everest challenge. And I've actually seen people on Strava do it uh, in in one way or another, like Joe Siegel. Uh, and our friend Andrew Dunlap, he they actually sent uh, some Everesting, um, you know, files, uh, you know, saying, oh, this is like so nuts or like, yeah, this is so crazy. And no, I never thought that I would actually partake in it because I, I mean, it is pretty, pretty crazy. I think um, for me personally, it would have been, you know, the 14 hours just out on the road would have been about nine hours longer than my longest ride, you know, ever. Um you know, and not to mention just the elevation gain too being the biggest that I've done ever. But it, it was a it was a place that you know was definitely an unknown for me. And I guess being retired for this season, um, the idea of just challenging my mind and challenging my my physical like um, ability mm -hmm. that was something that was like appealing. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think, think it's, it's for me, it's, it's just, just like an important. important um thing to do in life is to try and like not not push the boundaries in like a dangerous way but just to see kind of like what sometimes like what the body's capable of you know within a within like a realm of you know what we already know um that being like riding like i don't think i'm gonna do like ultra marathon like tomorrow or anything like that because i have no interest in running but because i'm like i've been in the in the sport of cycling for five six years now um, you know, the challenge of, of seeing how far, I guess, the body would go um, was appealing to me. So that was, uh, that was a little bit of my, um, my motivation for it. And, and as far as like the bucket list item, I guess it just started to turn into a bucket list item uh, when we put it on our calendar, really. Yeah, it, it was never on there before um, yeah. two months ago, but uh, certainly leading up to it, uh, it was a cool thing to like kind of look forward to. Yeah, like I think I probably know you for two years now on and off the bike and in my head i think everesting is does not fit your personality or riding personality at all i don't know just just perceiving you're like more of a racer i uh, totally agree with that yeah one. right like he's competitive. When, he, when he asked me about it i was like nate really? <laughs> yeah just because you're you're a competitive person with, with other people and not competitive against yourself you know so that's just an, an observation, but uh, who knows if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. But I think also the the fact that you you were raising funds for your for ch your church as well, I think, was also a big motivating factor for you. Um, I chose not to raise any money because, honestly, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to finish this thing, <laughs> and I would have felt I would have felt horrible asking people for money and not being able to do this. I, you know, I really did not think I was going to be able to, to finish this um, and was kind of surprised at uh, being able to, to do it the, the whole day, the whole day. Yeah. So then for Matt, 
uh, we know, like, you know, Nathan asked you to do it, and he kind of grabbed you along. But, like, did you have any internal motivation, too? Um, yeah, I definitely did, especially when I started, you know, kind of telling people what I was going to do, uh, especially people who aren't super familiar with biking and, and, you know, the endurance aspect of it. And I, I would tell them what Everesting was, and they kind of they give me this look like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, you're crazy. And then, you know, telling people who live in the area who are familiar with Ilchester Road um, and just how difficult that hill is and how cars, I mean, my own car struggles to get up this hill, um, that I was going to be doing this 98 times. It then became like this challenge in myself, like, yeah, 98 times. If I can do this, like, wow, you're gonna, you know, you're a baller if you can do this 98 times, and um, so it just then just became like, you know, like Nathan was saying, it's just that that personal challenge to, you know, can you can you do something of this ex- extreme in this extreme nature and finish it? Um, and it's such a unique thing that is, you know, I think it's growing in popularity. I'm seeing more and more about it. Um, you know, and seeing people post videos of it. There's some really cool videos on on YouTube of that people have put together over it, and you know, getting your name on that that Hall of Fame list is uh, you know, it's pretty neat. You know, there is nothing gained out of doing this challenge other than just, hey, I did this in extremely difficult, uh, you know, this feat, and uh, and there's a small group of people who have done it, and now I'm a part of it. Um, yeah. Not so. a lot of people can say that, yeah. Um, so then leading up to Everesting, you guys did it May 14th, I'm sure. And you guys, I think you guys did, what, two recon rides? We did, yeah. Yeah, we did two. Two rides. So based off two, two rides, how did that change your, your gearing on it? Because I know <laughs> Nathan definitely stressed out about it. <laughs> so yeah i think nate you got you got the better story of uh, <laughs> your well, progression to day of well i just want to just want to offer a rebuttal to to what ang said about my personality i, I think i totally agreed um as far as you know the racer mentality and i'm you know competitive and stuff um but i, I do want to also add i think behind like the the rider i i those who know me, and I think that I can maybe say it on my own accord, uh, fairly, fairly structured, like fairly, you know, scientific when it comes to, you know, needing that, um, that like just structure as far as like a goal or, or training. And, and when it comes to those type of things, even when it comes to what would be considered maybe like an adventure ride, like as far as Everesting goes, um, I very like, calculating and like meticulous to like figure out what i need to do to do it right uh-huh. um which i think we we learned from pat and adam those guys are um you or know if you hear that if you hear the term like kind of riding by feel and you know they these guys are you know still having their their bar mitts and their panniers on their bikes and <laughs> and stuff you know they're not changing any of their gearing you know i'm trying to you know go tap and and all this stuff and you know taking off you know, my front derailleur battery because it weighs too much. You know, I'm, I'm kind of that type of person, right? Reducing um, the number of bottle cages on the bike because half a gram <laughs> is like adds up over a day. Yeah. So getting back to your question, um, we did two recon rides. Um, 
I think probably a month before we did a, a two hour ride um, of just repeats. We just did repeats of uh, Ilchester, this half mile segment. And um, I, I usually run a, a 5339, uh, like 1128 on my bike. So on the first uh, initial, basically, well, it's entitled the wall, but basically the first wall section of about 20%. Um, I was, you know, standing, you know, uh, 39, 28 and grinding this gear at basically like 300 Watts, um, going for two minutes, couldn't sit down doing like 40 RPM. And for those two hours, I was just like bleeding out of my eyes. I'm like, this is not sustainable for 98 laps. I mean, I, I was hurting like for sure. And just the idea of grinding 40 RPM, uh, to do, a wattage that um now i didn't know if that's what i need to do but that was a wattage that i would hope to have been able to do um all day and the number that i had in my head was about you know 280 i wanted to be at 280 on the wall um not you know going above 300 um and certainly not going into the 400s like adam you know said that he was doing uh, so after that, we waited another two weeks to do a four and, and yeah, about a four and a half hour recon of Ilchester. And at that point, um, I had found, uh, I had done like a ETAP, I think at the time, um, which was able to go to a 32 and I borrowed uh, yours, uh, yep. Ang's uh, 32 uh, cassette. So I was running a 39-32, basically like, you know, my rear derailleur is like screaming for mercy at this point. <laughs> but uh, in that gear, I was still standing for two minutes on the wall and I was in the power range. I was in around like 280 watts, but the RPM was still like, like 53 RPM. And I mean, for anyone that's ridden a bike, uh, you know, once you start getting below, you know, 65 or so... I mean, basically, you're just weightlifting the whole time with your legs. Um, it's not really an, an aerobic, you know, part of, of the sport anymore. You're just basically doing heavy lifting the entire time. And again, uh, we got through the, the four hours straight through, uh, Matt and I, and we both looked at each other at the end of the day and we're like, well, if we can find a compact front, if we can get a 34, that's basically the best we're going to get it. So 34, 32 was the goal. We both agreed that we'll find it, um, we'll use it. That would probably buy us another 10% uh, RPM, which it did. Uh, it would end up bringing uh, my personal um, RPM on the wall to about uh, 65 for two, 280 watts or so. Um, I still couldn't sit down. I was still standing, but standing at 65 RPM starts to feel like uh, you're actually riding a bike. And not just like, you know, lifting um, weights with your f feet or something. Um, so that's what we ended up doing. Um, thankfully, my co-host, Aang, um, you, uh, you know, our listeners can't really see you uh, on the screen. But I was able to borrow uh, your um, uh, Ultegra 30, 34 in the front. So I was running at 34, 32, and that was good enough for me. And uh, Matt, you know, you were running the same thing. He, he swapped his front ring to a... A 32 and was able to borrow a 30 or i mean front ring to 34 and was able to borrow another 32 
um, from Aang as well. Yeah. And I'm still rocking that uh, 32, 11-32. Once you go 32, uh, you can never go back, man. It's no, spin it to win it, baby. Spin it to win it. Three and a half weeks later, and that sucker feels so nice just cruising around. Especially in Ellicott like, City. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That You were asking about the recon days. Um, I don't have too much memory of the first recon. I just remember we did just an abbreviated num- number of them. Um, but that... The second time we went out, and I think we did a total of like 32 or 33 repeats that day. Um, and I remember at the like the last few of them feeling like absolute trash. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I, this is a third of what we have to do, and I am dying trying to do this. Now, granted, I wasn't on the correct gearing; I was still riding a mid compact. Um, 36 up front with a 28 in the back. Um, but thankfully Nathan reminded me that like Matt, you had done a pretty, you know, pretty significant block of training up to that point. And even the night before, I was out doing some threshold work. Um, so I was not rested at mm-hmm. all. We we started early. I, the night before I probably finished riding around 8 PM. So maybe going with roughly 12 hours of rest. So that was like the thing in the back of my mind. Okay. Remember you're going to go into this well rested and then eating at me was, but if you feel like that a third of the way through, you are never going to make it. So fortunately rest leading up to it made a world of difference for me. So, yeah. And and that recon ride, that four hour recon ride, was actually the one that um, led us to the strategy, the pacing strategy that we adopted on uh, the day of. Um, we decided that based on that four hour ride, um, we were going to take um, three hour riding stints together and then rest roughly fifteen or thirty minutes in between those three hour uh, rides. Those like three hour sessions. And when we broke it down like that, we were like, well, you know, we can do three hours of repeats. And if we can somehow get our legs back in between those sessions, then we just have to knock off these three hour, you know, stints, you know, one by one. Um, I don't think that we ever considered trying to go through the whole thing um, without stopping. But certainly before that point, it was more daunting than it was after talking through it and saying, hey, it will it it will still be a 14 hour day if we do four three hour sessions and like four kind of like 30 minute breaks right because we didn't want to be on the bike like all day like we weren't shooting for a 24 hour um you know everesting goal um we weren't trying to go for a world record either but we you know wanted to be done before it got dark and I think 14 hours in total was basically our, our strategy. So instead of going, taking like the ride slower uh, and taking like time off of our pacing and just going all day, uh, we decided to go at our current pacing, but taking like 15 to 30 minutes off the bike, uh, either, you know, going to the bathroom, you know, getting food in our system, uh, you know, just resting mentally and all those things and stretching. Um, we, we thought that, that was a good plan. <clears throat> Yeah, if I if I could add, I think just um, breaking it down that way, 
just for the mental aspect made it so much more manageable um, being able to chunk it that way. Cause you know, three hour sessions on the bike, you know, we kind of do that every, a couple times a week even. And so that made it so much more like attainable for me. Like, Oh, I can do four, three hour sessions. Um, especially when the first one is being done almost entirely in the dark. Um, <laughs> that to me, that just went by so fast because I wasn't seeing what the heck was going on and we were just doing our thing. And then, you know, by the, I think when that first one ended, we had already started having people come out, uh, to, to visit and, and pay respects to us. Pay respect. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was because I thought I was going to die. So they, you know, they, oh, okay, they okay. paying their final respects to me. Um, no, but, uh, that made it, a lot easier and that mental piece uh was going to play a huge factor too not only was i just worried about my legs holding up uh for the day but mentally do i do i want to be on a bike for 12 plus hours uh i that was a pretty daunting thing to think about yeah yeah i remember i i showed up at eight o'clock so i probably came up to towards the end of your first block and you guys are looking pretty good yeah uh, so then speaking of the day that you guys did this, um, you know, obviously the highlights were definitely when people came by. I think at one point around after your second break, I think you guys had like at least we had like a group of like six or seven guys. So I think I counted nine at one point. Nine of us were out there riding together. Yeah. So how, how so that, you know, you guys had you know the gearing right. You guys had the preparation right, and you guys had the game plan right. So then, what about the mentality part? The mental part was uh, kind of what I mentioned before, just this really unknown thing. Um, and I would have hopefully you know, attributed a characteristic of, of myself to be like mentally fairly strong. Like I've done, you know, different activities whether it was like soccer or, or riding where you know this kind of mental aspect uh does play a part whether it's like fish, finishing like a super hard race or like you know going out there when you know you don't want to go out there you know all those things but again like everything is just such a different animal that um i wasn't quite sure how that would respond and i think like doing it together and doing it in a way uh as we just shared um was super helpful like without the support of not only, you know, friends and family and even just like random people that were out there, um, you know, it wouldn't have really been possible because I think that that just um, like support kind of like lifts up your your mental state, especially like during the day. Um, and I mean, as I kind of would have expected, my my mental state like de definitely deteriorated by like the end of the day. Um, I don't think it was ever... It, it was never in question that I was going to finish, but it was like the more that time went on, the more that my body naturally switched into like, like robot mode and like robot mode, like robot Nathan, like <laughs> didn't know how to talk and like, didn't know how to like do anything else, but like turn the pedals. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could like visualize like the finish like I could like you know just tell myself like you need to do this 
it, I mean, it, it's not like a desire at that point anymore. It's like almost like a necessity, right? Yeah. You're like, I got so far, like I can't look stupid now. You know, you're thinking about like, you know, all the people that are like cheering you on or whatever. And um, yeah, that mental part of it was was tough. I mean, I, for me, the last two hours were the toughest. And I, I shared this with Matt and, and other people before. Um, yeah, I, I didn't say a single word to him in the last two hours. The last hour and a half, Nathan was complete silence. And uh, like I'd asked him multiple times, I was like, are you okay? And he, he just kind of nod. And I think one time he's like, I'm just concentrating on riding. <laughs> like, okay, man. Just And I look over, I look at his shorts, and he has his black Rafa bibs on that are speckled white with all the salt that his body has excreted over the day. And he looked like he was was in a bad spot at some point, but I think he was just super hyper-focused on getting this task done. And uh, I th- for, oddly enough, I think I was kind of having an opposite reaction. Like, as we got closer to it, like the excitement factor, it was, I don't think it was the excitement factor of like, Oh, I'm going to accomplish this. It was like, Oh my God, I can get off this bike now. Cause <laughs> I don't want to look at this thing anymore. I just want to be done. I can't wait. I was so excited. We did it on a Sunday. It was mother's day, right? Yeah. Mother's day. It was, yeah. And I was so excited not to have to go to work the next day. I'd already taken off. I, like, and I was so excited because <laughs> we had just gotten new couches in our house, which I'm sitting on one right now. And I was so excited about literally sitting on this couch the entire day and uh i think that was kind of like cheering me on and then the you know the, we had a pretty sizable group of people towards the towards the end i'm gonna say there's like six or eight cars lined up on the road and just people hanging out there handing us our bottles but um yeah it, it was that one thing that really sticks out in my mind was just nathan's silence towards the end of, <laughs> of the whole thing but. Yeah. Yes. Gotta gotta give props to the Swan years. But yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, definitely the last yeah hour and a half. Nathan is definitely serious because he was he was yelling for the bottles. <laughs> which one? <laughs> which, which bottle needs to be handed to him? It was crazy. <laughs> but then at that point, I knew it was because he was more serious about making sure he can complete it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to say, I forgot to mention. Got a shout out to Scratch. <laughs> hydration for uh sponsoring this episode uh they were kind enough to um send some free scratch uh hydration mix and some bottles because you guys i think destroyed like two bags of scratch lab, oh so i i am not a fan of um adding a whole lot to my drinks i, j- I typically just like water but i knew I, I, this has happened to me before in endurance races that I've done, and I've done some very long mountain bike races and things like that, and I cramp easily. And I know it always comes down to nutrition, but I just don't like – I don't know what it is about just drinking sugary things while on the bike, but I knew I had to do it this day, and I think I killed an entire bag of scratch plus like four or five of the single-serving ones. Um it, it was a saving grace for me. I didn't have a single cramp the entire day. I think I drank just over 20 bottles in total. Um, 
And I normally will, do, and I think you two can attest to this, but we'll go out and uh, knock out a four-hour ride, and I won't finish one bottle, typically. Oh I'm, I'm terrible about drinking, but it was kind of ingrained. Every 30 minutes on my Garmin, I needed to have a bottle completed if I was going to last for the day, and, uh, and I think I did, and plus a few iced coffees. Um, Courtesy Dunkin' Donuts, who are not sponsoring this episode. Right. <laughs> right. We, yeah. we got to work on that for next time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there were a lot of liquid intakes, but scratch definitely. And I am, I don't think you guys liked it so much day of, but maybe you're coming around, but that pineapple <laughs> mango, that thing is, oh, that is, that's nice. It, it reminds me of spring break in a bottle. So, uh, that's funny. I will uh, continue to drink that one. Yeah, I too would like to thank um, Scratch Labs for, for sending and sponsoring uh, this podcast. But more importantly, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where uh, without being even sponsored by, you know, XYZ companies, um, Scratch Labs is actually the the go-to energy drink that, um, that I typically use on, on a hard ride. Or some ride that I know that I need to replenish, um, you know, my electrolytes and, and salt and stuff. The green tea um, matcha flavor is one of the best ones that I've had, and I love mixing it in, you know, all of my drinks. So typically, when I when I go out, I'll usually have uh, one bottle of of the matcha green tea, and then the other one uh, will just be water, because I also like to dump water on my face. So that'd be bad if I dump matcha on my face. <laughs> but <laughs> for for everything. Uh, I can, you know, echo what Matt said. I probably went through a bottle every single hour, um, and more than likely, ten out of the twelve hours uh, were Scratch Labs, you know, mixed in. So definitely needed that. Um, I think that on those type of rides, I think your palate also needs some flavoring as well. Like water gets pretty boring after um, one or two hours. So it's, yeah, matcha flavor is one of the, the best tasting ones that I've come across, and it's not, like, too sweet or anything like that. So thanks again, Scratch Labs. Uh, thanks, Alan Lim and, and everything. So I really appreciate that. So let's look at the final numbers, then. That's, like, pretty cool. Do you remember your numbers, Nathan? Um, No, because someone who let me borrow their crank set gave me oh, no. a uh. stages with a busted <laughs> battery. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it's a uh, user error. <laughs> it might, it might be user error. I, I was assuming that he would give me a, a usable stages power meter, but it's fine. Um, as far as numbers go, I think I was, uh, I think I was in the ballpark of maybe like four hundred fifty TSS. No, more than that. I have on my little uh, golden cheetah, I think 615 TSS um, for the whole day. The average pa- the average power is like bummed out. Like I don't, I don't know what that is um, because I, the power meter was like going in and out. Calories I have on my cheetah as, I think it's recording low, but it's like 4,500. Doesn't seem that high. No. Uh, yeah. So I think you you might have to get uh, the numbers from Matt. 
personally, I plugged it in as far as like calories go. It was probably a easily like a 8,000, 9,000 uh, kilojoule type of day for me. Um, you know, the elevation gain, the, the ride that we did, which our lap times were very similar to the recon rides, uh, even for a four hour stint that Matt and I did, um, you know, we were doing easily 3,200 calories just for four hours. So I don't know if I would have broken the 10,000 calorie mark, um, but uh, in the end of the day, it was certainly the hardest ride that I've ever done um, in duration, in distance, in elevation, um, and calories burned for sure. How are you, Matt? What are your numbers? So um, I did a TSS at 648, uh, which might be three times more than anything I've ever done on the bike. And I felt every bit of those 648 TSS. Um, I got a couple different uh, metrics for calories burned. One had me at like 9,400. Uh, another with at like 7,800. So, you know, split it down the middle, like maybe 8,500 or so. Okay. Um, which is great. I, I don't step on a scale anymore, but I would love to know just how many pounds I potentially lost that day. Although I probably consumed it all in a ton of water weight, uh, considering I probably drank about eight pounds of water, <laughs> uh, or, or water and scratch, uh, together. But, um, and, and Burger my... King long cheeseburger. Long, oh, long cheeseburger. Oh, you had it's not a, a short cheeseburger. It's a long cheeseburger. <laughs> I had the long chicken sandwich grilled. The... And I would like to note that that is the first Burger King, bur... any fast food other than Chick-fil-A, because that's my go-to. That is the first I... fast food that I've had in about probably four or five years. <laughs> And my God, did that taste delicious! That thing <laughs> was love that so good. Food. Oh man, that was so good. And we had, somebody else brought something earlier in the morning. I think it was like a McDonald's McGriddle or something, and that just mm, that that hit the spot. That was a good breakfast. So, <laughs> oh yeah, Kate, Caitlin brought out the uh, the like sausage egg big box. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That okay. And- so. Everesting obvi- obviously brings out the best uh, athletes and, and best nutrition for sure. Yeah. But so, I'm very regimented about my diet, and I, as I think most cyclists are. But I, I just took that day as, you know what, you are going to be destroying yourself and burning everything. Eat whatever you want. Like just just have fun with it. Is you know, eat, yeah. drink. And so I think I had there were some cookies. I was eating Cliff bars like crazy. Um, it was a, it was a good food day on the bike, so uh, <laughs> that was the plus side. It's yeah. not like get the ride the next day or anything, so. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're feeling it. Um, I think the surprising thing, um, which I don't know if Adam and Pat had mentioned it, but I think the surprising thing about it was the day after, I I felt okay, like the legs, the mind, the everything. I think I was probably still dehydrated, but I was maybe adrenaline was still, you know, in my system, but I felt fine on that Monday, which I also took a day off. Um, but it did the fatigue didn't hit me till like Thursday. And by the time it hit me, it hit me like a freight train. 
it, it was like and this was kind of the interesting thing about Everest because uh, I, w- I was just like trying to see kind of what the body was going through and stuff but I mean basically from that Thursday till only maybe last week I mean we're talking about like a two-week period I was certainly feeling the effects of uh of just this um this huge effort that the body like kind of like undertakes so um yeah it was unreal it was, it was just really just uh a crazy experience yeah i'd agree with you like the next day my legs had zero soreness to them they didn't they didn't feel tired now i didn't get off the couch all that much but then i would get up um that you could walk right yeah it was, like... it was like no problem it was my lower back and i did have some soreness in my knee that developed um maybe about a third two-thirds of the way through the day um so i think next time we get a sponsorship by advil or uh, (laughs) a leave because that definitely was a saving grace i was doping on ibuprofen that day um but i I knew that that was a potential factor for me because i do uh have some get some knee pain uh through extended exercise um so it was just trying to stave that off as long as possible so that did hurt actually that's it's three weeks and what are we three weeks and two days out and I still do have soreness in the knee um so I'd imagine just over 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 use that day um did something in there um it is getting better but surprisingly the legs felt completely fine the next day was able to go out Tuesday and just have a fun hour and a half on the bike went out Wednesday for a group ride and was was able to you know kind of crush it out there um it wasn't until yeah later on in the week where ooh, it hurt to turn the pedals over <laughs> much more than i thought it was going to um i think i'm feeling back to normal now i went out this weekend with the both of you and we put in a lot of hours on the bike went for a couple koms and and <laughs> things were feeling pretty good um, so I think I'm mostly back to normal. Um, yeah. I think I think uh, Adam rode the next day, but Pat definitely felt the effects of Everest. So I think everyone's different. Everyone reacts differently. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just just from, like, a, another metric, which I think was really funny, was um, in one day, my CTL, which is, like, chronic training load, it jumped 13 points. And typically, when and CTL being the average of your uh, your TSS like over like a forty day period, uh, basically, what I tell Matt or or someone else is that you would hope for ten uh, an increase of ten CTL points or whatever in about a month. So I jumped thirteen in one day, and that was just really. F- funny uh, to me like it was just a huge it was just a huge day like no matter how you slice it i mean yep. i look at that as like take the next month off you did <laughs> in a day yeah i mean i try and do about 12 hours a week on the bike so i got plenty in the bank that day it was it was feeling good about that so yeah. yep uh, yeah i mean it's definitely great hearing your two experience especially from nathan's view since that we like interviewed and talked about this for so long um and then hopefully for me i guess i'm like the last man standing next year 2018 i'll i'll do my Everest attempt and hopefully you guys will do it again i think i think aoc guys talked about it and definitely wants to do a record of the biggest Everest group 
So yeah, um, I'll definitely take from your guys' experience. Do you hear the silence? Silence on our ends, Hang. <laughs> Is that yeah. doubt? Is that doubt? <laughs> no, no, no. No, we owe it to you with all your support that day. Uh, you know, if you, I would definitely step up and do it with you. Yeah, I think I'll I'll be doing it with AFC. I think the keys to have a a good positive vibe with people. Yeah. So, I guess to wrap it up, yeah, I think uh, any last comment about everything. Yeah, um, for me personally, uh, I would just like to say, you know, it was a, a great time, um, especially spending, you know, 14 hours on a bike with uh, one of my great riding friends, Matt. Um, I also want to just share with the, the listeners that I was able to hit my goal of raising $1 per every 10 feet of elevation gain. So I was trying to raise uh, $29.02 uh dollars for uh, my church and um just missionaries uh so i was able to hit that goal thank you for um those that you know donated um in various different ways and and even those that chose to support me um in other ways uh you know whether it's nutrition or or you know uh, just with words of encouragement and things like that so it was a, a great time it was a great um you know effort it, i learned a lot about just you know what the body is capable of and um, yeah, it wouldn't be possible without you know, um, you know, just having a good support system uh, around me. I think. Hey, congratulations, Nathan! Nathan, on raising that money. That's great. Going go to a good cause. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just I guess my f- final thoughts on it. Uh, you know, I agree. Since uh, you know, since Nathan is a, a a retired amateur cyclist at this point, and and um. Over the past year or so, I haven't been able to ride with him as much. It was great to uh, spend a full day on the bike with him and just, you know, just catch up and and suffer together and and laugh together. And I may may have cried at one point. Um, (laughs) I I did. We did forget to mention our our the one sponsor I'm working on, which is Scott Toilet Paper. Forgot that that definitely came in handy at, at one point in the morning. Tom DeMille can um, use that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, th- I don't think this day. I definitely don't think this day would have been possible for me had um, I not had the support of so many friends and family coming out throughout the day. Uh, just with all the encouragement, um, getting text messages from my parents and um, just from from different people, just you know, telling me how crazy I am or you know, stick with it, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely was so, just really lifted the spirits and and um, just kind of gave me the drive to like, yeah, you can do this. You don't want to go back home and tell people that you weren't able to do it. Um, and that really really helped and. Um, you know, especially hanging out there with taking pictures of us and, mm-hmm. and handing us our drinks and a, and a few other friends, Jordan, um, you know, just seeing you guys over and over and over and over, <laughs> um, was really awesome. Um, so, you know, thank you to everyone. You know, truly appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, thank you, Matt, for uh, joining us on this episode. And this is the the final chapter of the trilogy of Everest in 2017. And then, yeah, always, Nathan, uh, my co-host, thank you. 
and thank you again for uh, to Scratch Lab for sponsoring this episode. Again, they were able, they were kind enough to send us a uh, replacement hydration mix for Nathan and Matt <laughs> after they crushed it, and a couple new bottles. So, um, thank you again for them, and thank you for the listeners uh, always listening in. And if you do like us, uh, share our podcast with everyone, and also don't forget to subscribe. We are on iTunes and also on Google Play. And yeah, that's about it. So. This is a big break signing out.